0: Yeah, this quarantine has got me feeling like I'm locked in a prison. I got coffins for these weeks, they better stay at a distance. Went to Costco for some tissue, they said two was the limit. I saw Granny try to get them, I had to fight it again. Everybody's turning animalistic. No supplies, no food, next the world's going cannibalistic. Going crazy, we all stuck on our phone. The quarantine, Macaulay Calkins, this is a movie. We are home alone. We got bills, Mr. Gates. I wonder how the doctors feel. They gonna have to go see Dr. Phil, Mr. Gates. By the way, if you've ever talked behind my back, that's this okay. I might get sick if you come say it to my face. This is a pandemic, certified crisis. I remember when Corona was a beer and not a man-made virus. I remember getting sick was an issue. Now we panic when we cough, sneeze, or feel like we got any type of sinus. What well, we do now.
1: Welcome again, listeners, to another quarantine episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, 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 mania. mania. Yes, heard every week here on WRIR LP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio at 11 a.m. And we've got a lot of interesting guests this week. Again, we're doing this on Zoom because we're social distancing because we about that life okay. Wash your hands. Yes, wash your damn hands and keep your ass at home. Okay, perfect. And um, this week we're going to talk about something that's really, really pressing we've been talking about it personally we've been talking about in group chats we've been talking about on twitter it's a lot so we're excited that we've got tons of guests we're just excited that you guys are here with us this week to talk about it what's up melissa how's everybody feeling and we'll start going through with intros
2: hi i'm doing well i've got new puppies so i don't sleep (laughs) (laughs) newborn puppies newborn puppies yep last sunday Yeah, three of them, two girls, one boy, pretty stoked on that. But otherwise, I'm actually kind of enjoying my quarantine time. I've reached Super Saiyan homebody at this point, you know, like top level out there in the yard digging around with my floppy hat. Yeah, it's great. But anyway, I'm actually really here to just listen to you guys today, and I'm really excited about that. (laughs) So I'm, okay, no problem. I'm Danny Green,
3: Danielle Green. I have been on, is this my
2: second time, third I, time? Like that. third,
3: I think, third time, yeah, third
2: time, like, uh, yeah. you're getting close to your blazer.
3: third time joining the RDA Dirt Club. Um, I'm one half of Ain't No Free Lunch, a podcast that I update sporadically (laughs) with Tykeen, who you'll hear from as well. Originally from Richmond, Virginia, presently quarantining in my parents' house because they had a fit, but I actually live in California. I am a PhD student in race inequality and language in education uh, out in California, so my plants are dying out there because there's no one to water them, but I'm here, I'm making it work. Um, But you have
2: an RPS connection too.
3: Yes, I used to be a middle school teacher uh, in Richmond public schools, I taught at Brown, Bushall, and Benford. So been around through all the the B middle schools. And my mother used to be; she was a principal for seventeen years at J.L. Francis Elementary School in Southside Richmond. Had been in the school public school system for thirty-one years. Third generation RPS teacher, got a lot of connections there. So yeah, best teacher.
4: Victor McKenzie Jr., yes the Jr., keep the Jr. please. Out here, originally from New York, Richmond is my adoptive hometown, and I've been out here working with nonprofits uh, for most of my career, everything from, like, the Boys and Girls Club to the YWCA, to um, organization out in Easton or Fulton, just focusing on like economic mobility, financial opportunity. And as of right now, just trying to like rock it at home. Got a 10-month-old and she out there making noise. So if y'all hear that, excuse me. She just, she's figuring out how to say words and she's practicing all through business hours.
5: Hey, Natasha Crosby. I am uh, from Richmond as well. I grew up in Chester. I'm a realtor here in the area. Uh Um, president of the Richmond LGBTQ chamber uh, on the board of side-by-side Side, uh, treasurer of us giving Richmond connections we put on Black Pride RVA each year um, thanks for having me
2: welcome first-timer also Victor's a first-timer so welcome yeah, we're welcome. happy to
5: have you and uh softball coach over at Huguenot
2: all right
5: I'm the former
3: volleyball coach at Huguenot as well so we should talk all right.
6: <laughs> Hey, everybody, I'm um, Alan Charles Shipman. I uh, work for Initiatives of Change, a peace-building, trust-building organization. Uh, my work um, includes helping people understand how the legacy of racism and various forms of dehumanization affects communities, uh, the economy, law, and uh, forms of disenfranchisement. And I work to solutions towards those. Glad to be with you all again.
2: Yeah. And, um, Duran must have dropped off the call. I assume he'll come back at some point. I, I saved the the very, the very tallest for last. Mr. Mr. Six One and Counting, can you tell okay, us okay. Why, the, why you're here today?
7: I, I mean, honestly, I think you do a great job of introducing me, Heather Don. Would, would you just like my bio?
2: Don't let him fool y'all.
3: <laughs> I'm six foot. We look each other dead in the eyes.
7: Daniel, when's the last time you saw me, first of all? Oh, okay. Bro? Hello?
3: Like, passed, like five months?
7: hello listeners okay. it's It's takeen Cooper aka mr Six one in county i first I first came on the show about eleven months ago. I just learned the news that I grew a whole inch in my thirtieth year and I'm still growing. I'm happy to be here and participate in this conversation today and uh, I think we have a solutions based audience I'm really looking forward to challenging the listeners and seeing what we can come up with
1: You get on my nerves. <laughs> Danny Danny shares my annoyance right now. I'm so through. It's a <laughs>
2: these these faces. Yeah, I love it. Go it ahead. Excuse
1: me.
7: I'm consistent and ain't nobody ever said Coop and lied. Like you might not always agree what he says, but nobody ever said, oh man, he lied. Like, you know I wish he wouldn't have said that, or maybe he shouldn't have wow, said it that way.
3: Up to height right now. Do
2: you it's know like, what do you know what he didn't do though? Is actually say what he does.
7: Ooh.
8: That's That's what he does. Okay. He's professional exactly. grower. Like
7: he grows. <laughs> I prayed for that inch. But <laughs> uh by day, I'm executive director of Virginia Excels, which is an education advocacy organization that's based in Richmond, but we're a statewide award.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Now
1: back to Francesca. Gets on my nerves so we're glad to have all you guys um the person who dropped off the call and i'm sure he'll pick back up at some point deron chavis is uh he was on formally uh, for, uh a minute ago and deron is actually here we go. You, he's back is he back
2: he's back he's connecting
1: okay i'm gonna let him i'm gonna let deron introduce himself then deron you back
9: yeah i think i'm back sorry
1: Okay. I was saying that I was going to introduce you so that our listeners knew. I wanted to make sure I had the correct name of the organization that you're continuing to work with. It's Happily Natural Day. Happily Natural Day. Um, and then what are you continuing to do in the community right now? Go ahead and introduce yourself, actually. Do
9: the, do, uh,
1: the, do, do the thing, dog. Uh
9: I'm Deron Chavis uh, with Happily Natural Day. Uh, representing the people and we're farming to increase food security for community. Yeah. That's it. it. And
1: and he does it very well. Basically, you know, I don't know if you guys have been under a rock. I mean, none of us have. But basically, if you've been under a rock for the past, but maybe month, month and a half, and you happen to miss it, we all have had our asses stuck at home. And we've been uh, basically under a quarantine. And that has affected every function of life. Jobs, several of us own businesses on this call and you know those businesses have been affected uh mines has as well if you are employer some of us have been laid off or furloughed um several of us on this call had that has happened i have a job i have a part-time job with another company where i'm an essential staff hours have been cut stuff is all over the place it's a lot it's affected Everything, the economy is affected. Our health—it's taken a dive on our healthcare system. Food has been scarce. The kids have been out of school for—I don't know—I lost count. I feel like this is like the nine hundred and thirty-seventh day of March. Like, it's a lot. Like, this is a lot, right? And it's just a never-ending, you know, thing, right? Recently, this past week. I think, you know, projections have been, you know, of course, every day the projections change and we get a daily update from our governor and we get a daily update from their president. Amen. And we get all of these different updates and the projections change. And, you know, it's just like, it's a lot. But recently, you know, across national media, it's like, oh, African-Americans are only 30 percent of the population in Chicago. But there's 75% of the people that have died from coronavirus. And we're wondering how this could have happened. Apparently, there's a disparity in healthcare for African-Americans. We wonder how this could have happened. And then all of us, right, took a collective, like, at the TV. Because this is nothing new, right? That's been the case. The more I thought about it, the more it's been... That's been the conversation for everything. RPS shut down and, you know, there was an argument over, you know, what do we do? Should we have shut schools down? Should kids kept going to school? Should we give them computers? Should we not give them computers? That is the craziest argument ever. We're not going through that. But, you know, what should we do? Like, how should we, you know, back and forth? And it's like, what do we do with resources? Should we feed them? Are you serious? RPS is 80 plus percent free and reduced lunch. These kids are going home. How are they going to eat? It took for us to have a national pandemic for y'all to realize that a lot of the community is struggling through these systems and these systems are not meeting people's needs. And so it was just hashtag racism in y'all's face all over the place, but it wasn't really racism. It was like everybody-ism is struggling, right? And so I just felt like it was in everybody's face and All of a sudden, everybody noticed that these systems were failing. What does that look like? Like, what does that feel like? Am I the only person that notices that? What did you, I mean, what was the observation that you guys felt? And everybody works in, I think, you know, all of us kind of work in community organizing or community, we all have different, we're kind of connected in ways, but everybody kind of touches a different sector, right? How has this thing affected your work, what you're doing? And, you know, where's the gap? And is this a new gap? Is this an existing gap that's just been exacerbated by this issue? And what has been overall response to people that were beforehand privileged that are now like, I need to go to Southside to save a lot, to go buy some meat because I can't find meat in my Wegmans. This has been a lot. And it's like, why? I mean, this because you can't find toilet paper, now you're realizing what it's like to have a lack of resources. I mean, we've been screaming about a food desert for how long? How many shows have we done on food deserts, Melissa? 10,314?
2: It's like mentioned in every episode. So, you know, we're at 95 now.
1: (laughs) And so we talk about food insecurity all the time, but it's like a new foreign object to, to a lot of people of privilege right now that they can't find their favorite cookies.
3: I think one of the things that was really pervasive for me was, so I'm a, re- a researcher. And uh, one of the things that's really been kind of frustrating for me, especially at a place like Stanford, where so many people capitalize off of inequality, like that's how they make their bread and butter. They actually don't really care about kids or inequity, but it's something that is, you know, it shocks the white people when they release data about things that we already know is how to live. Sitting in classes and, and listening to people who do what we do, we call it studying down. Which is problematic in and of itself. But like when you study marginalized people, it's it's called studying down versus studying up. And so all of these people who when we come in and we're talking about our research and how our research has been disrupted, because you know, for me, my field site is a school. And so when school closes, I have no way to collect data. Well, there are ways, but like the, as an ethnographer, I need to be in inside of the school. And so like listening to people come into the space and the first thing they talk about is themselves and how like, oh, this is going to mess up my timeline to graduation or I can't collect data with no concern. For any of the children who don't have any of the things that they need, right? You have Steph Curry who's out here feeding people because Oakland shut down.
7: Not Laura Ingram told them to shut up and dribble, remember?
3: I, it's either him or LeBron. I don't know who she was talking to, but either way, he out here. Set, fe- same athletes. principle.
7: <laughs> s- same principle, right? Like yeah. she actually said to LeBron, but yeah. yeah. You all should just be athletes. Shut up and dribble.
3: Athletes, but he's literally out here feeding the like Oakland public school systems because it's shut down and they need like meal pickups and so one of the things that's been really really frustrating for me is I think this is one of the first times for like not just the country but for the nation where we're all struggling at the same time at varying levels obviously but even with like when 9-11 happened that was a, a New York thing yes the country suffered but it was like it was New York right Katrina, New York. Yeah. that's New Orleans, like we're all sad, but this is something that like, no matter where you are, you gotta stay your ass at home at the very least, right? And so now all of these people, it really is, it's infuriating for me because it's like, this is really the first time that you've actually experienced not being able to live your life in the way that you would like to. And the fact that so many people during this time period are like, oh, well, it's happening to me now. So now I'm going to think about all of the other people who don't have what they have. Like, you know, and-
1: Now we got to do something.
3: Now we have to do something. And it's like, there are people. So my partner's older sister, she literally, this is what she, re- what she researches. She's a professor at University of Maryland, Dispa- health disparities amongst Black people. Like, why we're, during a pandemic, we're going to be the first ones to go because it's not just who is catching it or who's doing, not having, like, social responsibility, but it's like, what exacerbating, I guess, health conditions do you already have? Who are more likely to have, exact like, all of these health conditions? People who are poor, yep. who are Black, Indigenous, like, all of those populations. And so it's inequality that's killing us, and in, 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 in essence, it's not the virus, and people aren't like, recognizing that. And then I think one last thing, because I can go on a whole tangent about this, this is why we have this whole show, (laughs) is I'm really frustrated and the way that the narrative has shifted now that this data has emerged about all of these populations are particularly struggling, you know, people who are unhoused, Black people, people who are queer, like, all of these, like, marginalized populations, now the, the the conversation has shifted away from we need mass testing, we need this, we need that, we need to be doing something on a whole to it's about personal responsibility. And I think that to me is the most infuriating. Because when you're now you're being bootstrap bootstrap theory. Exactly. All of a sudden now it's like, well they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's like, no, actually if you look like inequality there are literal papers that say inequality is what kills people. It's not high blood blood pressure it's like my grandma used to say I gotta go to the hospital I got a case of the poor like <laughs> it's not I have a case I have diabetes it's I have diabetes because I'm poor and the way that this conversation on national media has just shifted towards like personal responsibility instead of systemic responsibility is the most infuriating because even though people are just now realizing that this is the way that things are set up now that they have realized it they're still turning back on their heels and saying like oh it's still not my problem who did this?
1: How did this happen? Harry Potter, fix it. Go ahead.
9: <laughs> hey, it. hey, let me chime in real quick on that, because you started talking about food deserts. And, um, you know, we've been doing this resiliency garden project to try to get people mm-hmm. raised beds uh, mm-hmm. so that they can avoid going to the grocery store and, you know, grow their own food. Yes. But the other piece about this is that, you know, we've been preaching this for years that, you know, you need to be self-determining, self-sufficient, and you need to be thinking about where your food comes from. Uh, so it's really interesting to me that, you know, now that, you know, shit has hit the fan. Now people are waking up to the reality of, you know, if the grocery store is closed, what are you going to do? Um, now what? My, my energy is really about, you know, how do we connect people to the resources so that they can be resilient during this time? You know, I'm not so much concerned about, you know, the folks that really don't face that disparity. You know, my issue is that, you know, there are people that were already living in areas that didn't have access to healthy food. And how do we get them the resources so that they can, you know, take care of themselves or at least build the networks that they could be sustainable, you know, during this time? What's been amazing is that the amount of people that have reached out about, you know, how to grow their own food and da-da-da-da-da has been... How do you equip them? Yeah. So we've been trying to equip them with the resources through our website and things like that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I'm hoping that people really take this stuff serious to understand like, yo, you know, even if there wasn't a pandemic, you needed to be bossing up, you know, expressing your agency and taking control over what you can't control. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, when it comes to urban ag, when it comes to, you know, community gardening or what have you. But, you know, the bigger kind of conversation is, you know, how do we sustain these systems and build these systems so that they're resilient post the pandemic? You know, once this stuff is all said and done and over with, you know what I mean? How do we create the systems that you know are self-sustaining that can live on in perpetuity? So, you know, I'm I'm big on you know radical imagining and thinking about what's next, you know what I mean, and being futuristic in terms of like what are we what are we building, what are we creating as far as our interconnections and synergies? It, 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 I think that's more I think that's super imperative for us to be putting those types of strategies and practices in place in real time right now you know
1: and i think that's the that's the part i think you uh, we dropped you for a hot second that was the piece that i think was really important that i was trying to iterate a minute you know before we've got to Figure out at this time, you know. Right now, we're out of session in the GA right here in Virginia. But now that everybody is not necessarily on the same playing field, and I'm I hate that when I hear that in the media, right? But we're all struggling, and it's like, yeah, y- no, y'all been black adjacent for like maybe a month, right? right? um I think somebody said it earlier, like y'all still in y'all trial phase. <laughs> y'all Still in y'all trial phase, y'all can still like cancel the subscription by at the end of the month, right? Once y'all get y'all twelve hundred dollars subscription. Uh, 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 stimulus package that's gonna save it all right and
4: y'all be all right that's the crazy part <laughs> like the resources <laughs> that are here now like, folks are able to take advantage of but like none of this is new this is like everyday reality for so many people who don't yep. have the 1200 comments, don't have an extra 600 on your unemployment check. It's just, it's just like this whole crisis has how frail the systems are. And kind of like speaking with uh, the was saying, it's like that investment in, with in the community, but no, I think um, like that shift from just trying to meet community needs to like truly invest in in the assets in those communities so they can be resilient Mm -hmm. so they can withstand when an organization has to shut its doors, you've invested in that community and it can stand tall. That's true because, and that's
1: what Deron, I think was saying, you know, it's less about, and I, and I think that's really where I want to get to before we get off the show is what, where, where is the organizing, going to start or where is it going to take place? Because if we're just going to continue to talk about where we can get toilet paper from right now, you know what I'm saying? We've only solved today's issue right now with, you know, all these people struggling, right? Not just our marginalized communities, but even the, the people who are accustomed to everyday privilege, right? They're struggling right now as well. And so they're already preparing at large because this is a nation worldwide issue right they're already preparing as a country to say these things we have to work on a way to fix these things or we have to work on a way to bridge the gap if we if somebody doesn't figure out how to present or create as as Duran was saying very creatively fold our ass into These plans, we're going to be left behind just like we always have been when we find these reconstructive processes that have happened throughout history. When cities are rebuilt, when areas are redeveloped, when all these things are redesigned and and funded, and all these, you know, we it's, it's history repeating itself, right? When the resources are passed out, it's first come, first served. So well, they don't and, forget about us, they intentionally write us out. Mm-hmm, but that's what I'm well, saying. Well, we well. can't find a way, we have to find a way to make sure that our asks are not written out.
7: Yeah, I mean, just kind of in response to that, we also have to ensure that advocates aren't tone deaf, right? Because what we what we see even more so in the city is that people are advocates until they think, think that something disproportionately affects them. And then it's like, oh, that ain't good. So like one minute you're hollering for equity, but then when like we actually see equity at work, it's like, oh no, nah, we don't need this. And so that was my frustration with the folks that came out about the Chromebooks from RPS. And and I was just like, yo, like, this is the exact same thing you did with rezoning, right? It's like, well, we we say we want equity until we actually see it at work. Then it's like, oh, no, we don't really want that. Like, we really want equality. And so that's what I'm saying. Be about what you say. And for me, I'm all about holding people accountable when they do things wrong and lift them up when they do things right. But we cannot continue and not to go off on a tangent here or my own soapbox.
1: Tangent, yes, sir. Soapbox it.
7: But we can't continue to encourage just cancel culture and then we come back and say, nah, I didn't really mean it like that. And so for example, huh? You're talking about Dominion? Yeah. Perfect example, Dominion, right? Let's so,
3: I like that
7: one. the truth of the matter is, if, if you liked or you didn't like the, um, the Coliseum project, critique the project, critique the numbers. The project is dead now, right? But there were some folks who went around and said, cancel Dominion, get rid of Dominion. And then, as soon as the pandemic hit, really? as soon as the pandemic hit, like, yo, Dominion, y'all need to help us out. Like, y'all just said, Bump. Dominion was the worst thing since the antichrist for the past six months. But as soon as the pandemic hit, like yo
5: six Dominion- months? Two years. You couldn't
1: fight her under a blanket in Richmond if Dominion didn't do it. <laughs> they were attacking like, any, six anybody,
3: any type of Dominion money. Any I don't care if Dominion gave me two cents to rub together. Is that what made your entire project illegitimate?
7: Matter of fact, I did I saw people on Twitter like, yo, I can't support Black Restaurant Week, Dominion black Restaurant
4: Week because Dominion sorry.
7: is a sponsor. Black Restaurant Week, because Dominion is a sponsor. Black Restaurant Experience, because Dominion is a sponsor. And then it's like, I'm yo. I'm not
1: going to give my money to black restaurants, because.
7: Yo, yo, Dominion, please come bail us out. Like, people hurt you. Hold them accountable for the things that they did wrong, and that they're currently still doing wrong. But like, mm-hmm. yo, like this whole cancel culture, just because I don't like something you did, that's corny. And that's going to hurt us even more than anything else. Yeah. At the end of the day, all of the issues in America, which I think has been uh, exacerbated by, or, or like is even more evidence or demonstrated by coronavirus, is like it always disproportionately affects us—black, mm-hmm. brown, and poor folks, and differently able yeah. folks. It- like, like we can't forget them either, yeah. differently able folks. Right. And so the same thing happens, like when we like out here saying. Oh man, bump this organization or this business or big business in general. We hurting our own people too, so we. I think we need to be cognizant of those things in our advocacy.
6: That's true. I, no lies detected. Yeah, I, I think like like we've been saying, black people have been dying from disparity from for a minute. Everybody knows when the white America it's gets pharaoh, pharaoh, racist. Tell
1: them, Alan. Tell them
6: since white America, we see you know, so when white America gets the cold, black America gets the flu. So my question was, if white America gets coronavirus, what is black America going to get? Right. Mm. And so when you and, and again, like what Daniel was saying, you know, people still trying to sustain this post-racial America. Oh, how could this have happened? And talking about comorbidities and talking about like, uh, how about racism as a comorbidity? Right. Mm. How about Talk disparity about as a co? morbidity because if i can go into your hypertension i can go into your stress and we can talk about psychoneuroimmunology and weathering and all the things that actually exacerbate uh, uh those conditions ptsd trauma intergenerational trauma epigenetic trauma all those other types of things that are rooted in those types of things so to have the audacity to say oh, well, it's because of health or why they're doing it versus how people are prioritized within a health system, things that James Baldwin had talked about for years, like when he's on the talk show and he's talking about, I don't care what the union labor says, if they don't let me in their ranks, that's all I need to know about them. I don't care if the school system talks about integration, but when the quality of the schools in my neighborhood are different from theirs, then I know what to talk about them. So I think it's about letting the habits, the habits of these institutions uh, that are supposed to bail us out are not going to change magically because a pandemic is happening. So again, what Taqin what, what was talking about, how do we uh, ask for equity, like embodied and not just you know spoken about in these situations? Because we also have to talk about, not at, as Brother Duran was saying, how do we set habits within this process that can sustain people within it and create new habits going out uh, from a policy level. But then with with a budget session, with uh, G, uh, with the General Assembly um, uh, session as well. How do we make sure we don't lose ground from this quote unquote blue wave that was supposed to benefit black people? Last to hire, first to fire, it's been around for a minute. So, you know, we got, I thought there was a paycheck protection program. Why are these black people getting laid off before June when the joint goes through June, right? Again, it's talking about the priorities of organizations, and when priorities. can't
1: nobody submit an application.
6: Right, <laughs> right, and you got and you got um, Kim Jong Orange at, at the top of the federal government, uh, not writing checks <laughs> and all those other stuff, and, I, and, and and it goes through so many things. Like even you know, we jokingly talk about the president's incompetence, but it has real. I'm getting, I was getting calls around from Black women with lupus that weren't able to get chloroquine and plaquenil and a lot of things, can't you know, get that their is, they can't get their medication unless, and unless they had a nine, uh, you know, a, a 90 day or a three month prescription, you know, people are saying, oh, thank you for your sacrifice because this is how we're going to, you know, for COVID-19, this is what we're, we're practicing on. Yeah. Anecdotally. Practicing when people already have... You talking uh, to me
7: about practice.
6: Practice? Practice? <laughs> practice. <laughs>
7: Uh, and, and not to mention, Trump's yeah. portfolio includes that medicine. Yes, as and well. he benefits
6: from that exactly. So then we we gotta we gotta we gotta talk around. You know, trying to co- contact the state board of pharmacy to prioritize people that actually uh, uh, are clinically proven to benefit from that. And um, so the FDA is saying, oh, you need to talk to this person. And so like again, these are the same processes and the same systems that have been doing these disparities for a while. So COVID nineteen is just simply ex- is both exposing. Uh, those things and it also exacerbating those things. So now we're at risk of losing ground from things we fought for, right? This budget season is going to be extremely interesting, right? Especially when and we and when restaurants go away, what does that happen to meals tax and how different things are funded, right? Um, uh, and then of course, you know, on calls with, you know, and some are like, all right, well, y'all, y'all promised HVCs all this money you know, and, and in-state tuition, all those types of things. In this budget season, how do we make sure the first things that don't get cut? As Daniel, we talk about, you know, first to fire, make sure that the first things that don't get cut were those things that affect Black community. And then on the other end of that, how do we innovate from these things being exposed and being able to say, well, why don't we craft some solutions in in light of this, like, so for example, we can talk about Camp Caffe and and how messed up that is, and you can drive by right now and you can see that the fence has been erected, even though I thought we supposed to be socially distancing, and even though the CDC and HUD said that participating with encampments is actually the best thing during a crisis, kind of what Memphis, Tennessee is doing. Uh, But even beyond that, if we have a legally vacated unit since April in, in, in Creighton Court, right, there's a very interesting program out of Baltimore called the Housing Plus Pilot Program that that I've been uh, communicating people in Baltimore with that actually partners with PUD, Continuum of Care, the mayor, and it actually takes vacated units uh, and actually repairs them and and partners with social workers uh, for those who have been chronically homeless for the longest time. And it's actually a a really good program where they've been able to put people forward in that. So how do we say, how do we expose, okay, this is what's happened. This is the disparity that happened, but here's the solution that can happen. And we have black contractors also that are losing business. And so are there ways that we can try and get a housing pilot plus program targeted here, partnering with contractors and black contractors and, and those with a racial equity lens that may not have the same collateral and rebound capital as other white contractors, prioritizing them to fix up units. And then we have from that a solution that not only helps black businesses and, and and chronically homeless people uh, sustain through a crisis, but also creates a new habit that can help something going forward. And so these are the types of solutions that we have to think about, because my main concern also is that we could go backwards from this, right? Not only so the grounds that we fought for can be canceled, you know, we talk about cancel culture, we quick to cancel black progress in the name of compromise and, and unity, or we either wouldn't talk about the compromise of 1877 or, or whatever uh, things. Talk about
7: it. Now. Talk that talk, Alan. <laughs>
6: <laughs> so, I mean, those are the things I'm talking. And I think, I think uh, Ty King is exactly correct. I don't, I don't believe in cancel culture. I believe in a, in a, in a culture of accountability. You have to give account to how you have showed up in certain communities before you can show up in the hero in another one. So I think it's important to hold people accountable to what has happened and to have, restorative practices come out of those things but if we're not ready to hold people accountable to make sure that because something's getting cut well i think i think we lost at least a billion out of the out of the budget i think i heard was the last number i heard so i started statewide so something's getting cut you know we're not printing money out in the streets
7: yeah so but the thing is so you you know we did get some money from the federal government. And then, you know, we had like a rainy day fund. So there are some ways that if things get better sooner than later, I don't think we have to make drastic cuts. But I think some people are going to be shell-shocked, right? So some of those things are going to be and, cut. And we
6: were already behind. Yeah. And we have to be watchful because a lot of things I've been seeing, too, is that people have been playing out their racism under the guise of COVID-19. Right. I wasn't down with it anyway, but now I can lay somebody off. I can do this. I can make this cut and say, Oh, but it was the Rona, though. <laughs> when it wasn't. So that's, that's what we also need to be aware of, of what is, you <laughs> what, see what, while is I <laughs> what is happening. Right. So we can't, we can't afford the guys of this post-racial, you know, whatever. Like, we know what it is. We know what it was before this. We know what's going to be after this, after, uh, you know, y- y'all cancel your 30-day free trial of blackness, you know, like, uh, before, before the charge hits. 30-day Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to be aware of what is going on and saying, like, we're going to be watchful. We're going to hold people accountable. And I think that's, that's uh, true. And while we,
1: I want to I kind of tag Natasha in, two to talk about business and real estate too that's important in terms of housing you know since we're talking about housing and you're talking about those creighton uh you know units are we're gonna have a show we got we got to have a show on rha because i fell down that rabbit hole this week dealing with a particular family that's been unhoused and homeless since 2014 with five kids and has gone through the rha certificate program several times
3: 2020 20 what 14,
1: 14. So this has been 16. 14, 14. And has been successfully given several certificates from them and was basically told by their uh, caseworker at RHA, I'll call you, don't call me. When we get a unit, I'll, I'll give you a call. Wow. And then on several occasions has been told, you gonna get your keys soon. I'll call you sis.
6: See what's crazy Very about same. that is even when I was talking to people in Baltimore about that, they were having similar just just ethical problems and and how, how who was being prioritized because their redevelopment authority and their housing authority was together. So in twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, they actually split them mm-hmm. so that so that those priorities aren't aren't as mixed. But it's that's yeah, then, you're right. That's a whole episode. And,
1: you know, we've got Section Eight going through these processes and you know, Richmond only opens them up every five years and gives out certificates and it's a lot. And so, you know, we know interest rates have died, you know, Natasha, what what do you see? How do you see this affecting our community maybe as a business owner mm-hmm. and you know, how can we use this this crisis? Where, where's the gap in this and in that industry and how can we use this, this crisis to bridge that gap, to kind of build some type of substantive, you know, reform that's reachable because it's coming, you know, people are still buying homes. I think I talked to a, I actually talked to a banker today correct me if I'm earlier today, correct me if I'm wrong, Natasha. Um, she said interest rates are in the twos
5: right now. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Good God almighty. I think it's what two, two and two and three quarters. And they're expecting later on this year, um, you know, after everyone is hoping that this thing, that we can reach a point where this has passed, um, but they're thinking that later on this year, just to help stimulate the, the economy once things get going, that they'll even lower rates again then. So it's, so if you, if you know, an opportunity for I mean, these rates are going to be, you know, extremely low. For for at least what we're what we're projecting is the remainder of the year. If not, you know, it's not getting lower than what they are now. But I think a lot of people have made a lot of great points. I think it's important for people to realize that we're we're already behind the eight ball with this, right? Like, there's there's so much that we've left on the table over the years that now in this in this environment, you know, we have no choice but to scramble, right? Like in in Richmond, I think 70 upwards of 70% or 75, somewhere like that, of, of people who live in RVA and who are renting are already rent burdened. And this was before the mm-hmm. pandemic. Three quarters of Richmond that's renting is already rent burdened. They're already paying more than 30% of their, of their income just for their housing. So once this is over, those numbers are gonna skyrocket in our communities who, who haven't even paid April's rent, right? Mm-hmm most people i think like a third of the country hasn't paid april's rent yet so as may comes comes, july comes if this if this situation improves you know as as we all hope and they start talking you know they start opening things back up when they open things back up what do you think landlords are going to do the first place they're going is to is to um you know city hall they're going to file those evictions and yeah they might have they might not Uh do so at this time but they most definitely will. And, and the only reason, and well, I can't say it's the only reason, but a good, a good chunk of that is because there's no protections in place for anyone in housing right now. Whether you're renting, whether you've, you've bought a home, whether you're an investor, there's no funding for you. You can get a forbearance if you're you know, a Fannie and Freddie-backed mortgage. But at the end of that forbearance, guess what? They want all that money. If you take that twelve-month forbearance, you got to pay all that back at the end of it. If you if you defer, it's only good for two months. So and shoot, we we're under uh, house arrest till June, ain't we? That's already two months from now. So how who who can who can sustain?
7: I'm staying in the house until June, Juneteenth. Sorry, you
5: know what I'm saying. And and I'm mm-hmm. questioning that. Know that. So Nothing Natasha, next
3: year, can I ask a clarifying question? Because I'm not a housing person. So when y'all are talking about how the interest rates are dropping, what does that like materially mean? Does that mean that like people will be able to rapidly purchase houses, like it, like rapidly gentrify areas? Like I, I, I don't know what that, that necessarily means.
5: So yes, you, you'll be able to rapidly uh, gentrify areas and people who are in uh, superior credit positions will be able to take advantage of... Yep uh these lower rates. However, say his name, Michael Hill. you know what I'm saying? With with lower right. rates and a pandemic, they're they're gonna uh crunch the qualifications, right? Like so now all of a sudden, you know, you might need, you know, X amount of dollars in the bank or you might need this extra um, you know They're gonna need
1: barely anything. If you've right. got any liquid assets, you they're gonna give you a house.
5: Exactly. Exactly. So it's uh, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be pretty difficult. And I know the the projections in real estate are still good for the moment. Like new construction is still good because you kind of have those contracts set up already. You know what I mean. So they're gonna, as long as everyone keeps their job, which is which is a a, a tightrope walk at this point. You know those those should close, um, but resales. You know if buyers aren't out looking, it's gonna make it harder.
1: And that and that's another availability the what was on the market was already limited
5: this much there's no 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 inventory in richmond or the tri-cities at all and really
1: across the country inventory was already limited and then on top of that what was available was limited in terms of who could purchase it because you were capped out at a certain level due to income you know so in terms of affordability and so now Especially in, in this situation where you have people that, you know, maybe are saying, oh, well, interest rates are super low. I think, you know, last year, this time, rates were like, well, they were about in the, moving to the five, six, sevens in this area in, 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 last year. Now, when I bought, mine was uh, is four and a quarter. And that was a couple years ago. Yeah. And that was
2: three years ago.
4: Yeah. So
1: this time last I
2: year.
4: I was just going to say, I think Natasha made a good point about, like, people not keeping their jobs. So I was Mm -hmm. working with a family who over the last year and a half has been like trying to build up their credit. They went and got the first time home buyer certificate working with a mortgage company. And one of those things is you got to have that income. You got to be on a job for at least six months. You have to have all of these things. Now, all of a sudden, laid off. You can't take advantage of that um, later in the year when it's a little bit of that interest rate goes down. You're not in that position. You're not going to be able to refinance. Yes, barely getting over the top in order to qualify for these houses now have to start over
5: basically. I think I want to point out also that um, as far as small businesses and housing is concerned, the Community Investment Act is, is currently being gutted. They, they are currently making it easier for banks to pick up redlining, to pick and choose the areas that they want to invest in. And they're, and and to give them oversight over their own actions as if that's something that doesn't go awry usually. We're we're already behind the eight ball on this, so we really need to you know solutions is the is definitely the name of the game here. And I am a you know I'm a business owner. I you know I deal with a lot of a lot of businesses in town as well, and you know and I think honestly a community uh, model is probably going to be best to try to help lift Black people and. People of color out of out of this uh, this recession that's going to happen
1: that's already in the works because I remember we had the discussion I got a phone call that said uh, basically yo EDA is going to drop some coins applications going to come on Monday it's going to be a big you know bunch of money basically fifty ish businesses in the city are going to get the opportunity to apply you know information is pretty vague this is what it is small business reimbursement for you know payroll expenses you know for covid issues right um gonna be a loan low interest rate you know apply and then the more information i started getting as we were climbing to monday i was like okay this ain't for black businesses okay okay not at all. And this ain't for young black businesses either because there was a stipulation for you got to be in business for what was it? 2 years. 2 years. 2 years. So in this time right now, who's the most vulnerable? The business that's been, you know, operating in that year and under, 2 year and under, who's in the red operating, right? Who's a new fresh business? who's learning how to wipe their own hand pots in this situation, right? Okay. In the words of my grandma. So, you know, that's the person that really needs the most help to get their feet when they get their feet swept from under them in this type of economy on top of the, the normal impediments that you face as a small black, you know, black owned business anyway for in terms of funding and all these other things right and then they're like well we're gonna we're gonna put this you know we're gonna put these packages out and then all these packages start coming out like apply for this loan apply for that loan do this do that and it's like right it
6: ain't,
2: that's and not then, for us
6: and that is exactly and i'm i'm glad um uh, natasha brought up the community Investment act as well because again this this shows the danger of race neutral solutions to race specific damages right so even with Jimmy Carter maybe having the best intentions and saying, "Okay, well we'll do it by zip code and have a certain type of investment and things such as that," but when you fast forward and neighborhood shift and the people that fled now come back because they want to be close to the breweries or whatever it is, then you know people within makes within that zip code can then invest in the the newer white people that return to the neighborhood. That happened a lot in Philadelphia, but that wasn't even enough. So now under the Trump administration, they want to. Uh, say, well, do they have to invest money? Can they give financial coaching instead of these other types of things? And so like and so they're opting out of and they're opting out of a, a race neutral solution to a race specific harm and it gets diluted to the point that it just becomes another oppressive harm yeah. that happens, right? Uh by by uh by disparate impact, right? Uh, yeah. and, and so, even when, and, and like what was talking about, we love to talk about equity and race and all those types of things. But when the city rolls out something specific to you know, it's it's it 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 doesn't account to you know. We love to talk about the redlining of the past, but not talking about the economic impact that has for business owners. I had a friend in the last, who in the last recession, he had a tailoring business. His white friend had a tailoring business in the recession because he didn't have that rebound capital and because his father was uh was in the military but was excluded from uh some of the benefits of the GI Bill and all these other types of things back in the red line days. They weren't able to have a, a, a house of a similar stature to borrow against to help his come survive. So he had to close his business and go work for his white friend's business because his friend was white and they had that that type of capital going back. going backwards, right? So we love to talk about equity and all these types of things, the word that actually show up in our policies so that it can be tailored tailor made. So that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't any time someone talks about equity and then talks about regardless of race, I have no energy for solutions that are regardless of race if my race was targeted. So the solution here. and equity has to be targeted, has to be specified towards um, historically disadvantaged communities. And so I, it's just like a frustrating thing for me. And so like when, when, when Natasha was talking about the Community Reinvestment Act, right, that was supposed to be for Black people, but now it's, it, we're being diluted out of that because of what? disparity because of race neutrality actually harms black people but it's it is often looked to as the solution to those types of things and so even when we talk about for home buying and, and other things such as that the economic crisis right you know we have, have talking with seniors we're talking about man my IRA is looking crazy right now my 401k is looking crazy right now or if a first-time home buyer, buyer wants to take advantage of those low low income breaks you know a lot of times you roll your 401k into to your ira and because there's a, up to ten thousand, you can take out uh, uh in order to your first time home purchase but if the markets are crazy right now then that that sometimes a lot of the first thing people use for their down payment is depleted right so what does it look like mm-hmm. for people whose rebound capital historically uh, is not there how do you craft solutions specifically towards that and how do you um again, as Ty King was saying, people who, white people who love to say equity until it applies to them, right? Um, and understand that to balance the scales, I got to take a ball from yours and put it over here. You know, how do we uh, really push uh, for those type of solutions? Or do we need to like snatch people's uh nehisi coach books and say like, you ain't really about this life, you know? So... <laughs> Listen,
3: I'm ready to snatch. <laughs> Because like, even thinking about it in the context, like I'm, I'm very specifically thinking toward like in the context of like education, I might not have a lot to say about housing. Um, But yeah, so like, even in the context of like education, like what, when I was looking at, because I don't have Twitter, because I can't concentrate, but when I go get on the tweets, right? On the Twitters. Get on the uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw like all of the people that were particularly around this laptop issue. Like this is not a short-term uh, solution the way that it was like the conversation was going. As a person who studies like particularly school choice, who's studying privatization, who's studying gentrification and how those residual, all of those things have direct impacts on, um, urban schools, predominantly. I'm, I, I research specifically Black children. Um, I don't put everybody in the melting pot, but looking at the ways that like low-income Black children are impacted by the lack of access to technology. When we're sitting here and we're listening to all of these activists, a good number of them who are white and, excuse me, using black voices to legitimize themselves in certain spaces are talking about, you know, what happens when they go sell these laptops for food. I'm sorry, what? Let's time out. Let's just take a pause. Okay, because I don't know none of y'all. I just be getting on the Twitter and just be like, when, when I see things like that, I am like completely overwhelmed because I'm sitting here like, that is the most deficit-based like understanding of black people and their relationship to their children to their children's schooling and to their children like and to like the basic needs a lot of these people also have cell phones are they these cell phones for food is that is that the narrative oh, I was, that's all i was teaching
7: oh.
3: like and and the number of children who you know i had to come to school for early or sometimes on saturdays so they could come in just to use internet this is not just something that's relative to like the coronavirus, right? So yes, unfortunately, that had to be the motive for us to invest in our children in that way. But if your first knee-jerk reaction to everything is to say like, okay, so maybe one or two people are, are gonna like hock off these these laptops. If you're, if, is, if your reaction is go to the extreme, you're really not about these kids in the first place, right? You handle those as they come up, but by and large, this, those students, they need that. And then also the argument that people were making that, you know, oh, well, um, when students go on online, learning isn't for all children. Um, Sitting in school and learning isn't for all children. How many of our kids sit in class every day and are failing?
7: Okay, uh, talk.
3: Like, I mean, so you just don't send your child to class?
7: Retweet retweet like,
3: we should just close all the schools because in school learning isn't for everybody which is the reason why we're saying online learning isn't for everybody so nobody
6: gets laptops Please. Yeah, but, and and they will give 80 copies of hillbilly elegy to someone and say we internet in these rural areas and we ain't saying well what if what if they gonna sell that for bills like, hey,
3: nobody, nobody <laughs> said hey <laughs> i just like i was floored when i saw that
7: i wasn't like, it was what I expected. <laughs>
3: I don't know any of these people that I'm creeping on on Twitter cuz I don't I live in California. But what that's I'm hard. saying is like that is so deficit based. You're not talking to the people, you know what I'm saying? You cannot be talking to the people. What you're doing as somebody who is a Stanford trained Oh, college, they did. They, they knocked 100 doors and asked black parents. Exactly. No, you had one or two people tell you that, that that's not that's not proper sampling. You can't speak for And then number one, number two, where do your kids go? Let's talk about that because I know in Henrico they're one-to-one mm. so it has that privatized education in Henrico has that privatized um, education out in Chesterfield I don't think so so why is it that our kids can't have it if you want to make a point I just sorry right. I had to, yeah. I, I've it's, been hot about this for weeks
6: it's confirmation bias um it's still being conditioned by uh whiteness and in the and you know black criminality um and and also like even understanding how much of a difference that is from like Henrico and you think of like Easton and RICO and Henrico High where my wife teaches where it has similar demographics but people aren't getting free laptops and she's right, told, exactly. well you give up makeup information uh based on these online things the same but like but some of my some of my black students right they they have to work so they're essential workers they don't have time to do that they don't have the same internet you know capabilities and all these other types of things but then nobody nobody pulls the the world people don't have the internet card for them. It's like, well, okay. So he's like, Oh, so all the, all the privileged white people have the access to that is who's going to get, make up these credits. And that's going to be a differentiation between that GPA as their seniors Mm -hmm. trying to be more competitive to go towards those things. And so it's like, how, how could you like, you're not even educated or rooted or connected enough to to have the right to speak on those issues. It's ridiculous.
7: Yeah. You know, I, um, like I share that frustration with Danielle and, granted it's a small sample size, but uh, our youth ambassador program, we gave all of the students. So we have 16 high school students. We gave all of them, uh, and RVA Dirt came and spent some time with them. So thank y'all. We gave all of them iPads to use for the program. And the truth of the matter, they were a gift, but we were gonna announce that later, but now they know um, that the iPads are for them. But nevertheless, not one of them lost it. Not one of them had any damage. Like you sure? Positive, and and so like this this notion yeah, that totals
3: and noodles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you
7: know,
3: my former students have theirs. They're they're in that group.
7: Yeah, yeah.
3: none of it, nothing.
7: And, but so I I think as we kind of transition and closing, why do I always act like this is my show when I come up here.
5: Oh, because you always, do. <laughs> oh, <'cause> you always <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
7: Um, have have a dawn chill 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 Chill? okay all
5: right
7: love you have a dawn so there's been a lot of conversation about incarcerated persons being released early which is something that undoubtedly needs to happen right
3: Mm -hmm.
7: because the truth of the matter is the last thing that we need like we don't have the infrastructure in our jails and prisons in virginia to um To manage a coronavirus outbreak. And so, like, I went on a small Twitter rant last weekend because they were talking about uh, the ICE facility, the ICA facility in Farmville, being potentially having a hunger strike there. Mm -hmm. And so, like, then I started thinking about it. You know, we have a hospital in Farmville, which is the only hospital within at least a 40 mile radius, but, you know, that hospital serves. Uh, the regional jail, three prisons, Buckingham, Dillwyn, and Nottoway Correctional Center, the ICA facility, the uh, Department of Behavioral Health facility for sexually violent predators. Like, So we don't have the infrastructure, but I think some things need to happen. Like we can't just release people from prison and say, oh, go on your way or from jail. It's like, oh, well, they're non violent. And we aren't testing them, number one. But they also need some resources. Like, we can't just put these people on the street and, like, fend for yourself in the middle of a pandemic. And so... Because
1: we already learned the resources is shoddy right now.
7: Right. So they come home, if they don't have family or they don't have a place to stay, they don't have food to eat, like, it, it impacts them even more so than them potentially being incarcerated and all the impact that that has. So this is something that definitely needs to happen. We need some significant commitments to ensure that this is done in a, in like a, in a safe and a fair and a humane way.
1: That you're not doing people more harm.
7: That keeps me up at night, right? Like, are you doing more harm to folks keeping them in these close quarters in, in dorms with 80 other people, or in sales or you know, in that pod has 70, 80 people in there and they're sharing it,
1: is that it was it was it was harmful to begin with before we got to coronavirus.
7: Talk that talk.
3: I think also it it depends on their procedures. Like are they gonna follow the procedures of like parole? So, you know, my older brother is one of the potential fishback parolees and you know, in order in order for him to get parole, my parents have to say like he can come stay with us, like there there is a place for him to go so but like under a pandemic are we not following those protocols like are we just going to like release everybody Uh, and I know people are advocating for the release and frankly I'm on board but like also like exactly what you're saying like what are we doing to make sure that every person that's released is not somebody who's going to be far more susceptible to be like impacted by this coronavirus even on the outside Right, so are we releasing them into a situation that makes them more, like you know what I mean, or like all the other parole uh, qualifications? You have to get a job, you have to maintain a job, or at least show that you are searching for a job, right? Yeah. Like all of these parameters that are going into it, and so I think that it needs to just make sure that when we're making these demands, we're we're thinking about it, like like you said, all the way through. We don't want to be sit, like sending people into situations that we're um, that are dangerous.
6: Yeah, it's, and it's like you said, Frank, Like, prison's been inhumane for a minute, right? And disproportionately black and brown for a minute, right? right? And so sentence, get, being sentenced to time is not equivalent to being sentenced to death because people don't have the accessibility to do those things. And and also what was concerning for me, I'll, I'll never forget watching uh, the governor's, one of the governor's press conferences where he says, we've had zero negative tests in prisons, And then someone asks a question and says, also because I mean, we haven't, we done zero tests, right? right. So, 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 you know, and, and one of the concerns I had because I was speaking with uh, Sister Ronica at Camp Cathy, and so someone had been released from the city jail who had pneumonia and very clear signs of COVID-19 that kind of came. So they were like, okay, well, let's at least try to isolate that person. But when they move people into hotels, they move that person the hotels with everybody else and then they were doubling people up. And so, so, again, like we have to get to a point where we are prioritizing people's lives, right? And, and dignifying people's lives Beyond the disparity that has, that has condemned so many people, uh, not just in prisons and not just during pandemics.
1: That's it. So we're having a conversation that, of course, it's not, it's not a light one. It's not a lighthearted one. But it makes me happy that we're having it because these are the types of conversations that spark the pieces that need to come together in order for the community to figure out where do we start brainstorming and where do these solutions come from? And this is just the beginning of it. But we can't wait until the opening session of GA to start running down there to go lobby because it's too late. It's too late.
3: Um, uh, One of the things that I just want to leave us uh, with is we really need to be thinking about, as always, our children and how this is like the summer break slide times like literally 10,000. But also I really want to draw attention again to like the health disparities as it relates to uh, Black people, particularly Black poor people who are being like affected in this way. And a lot of it comes down to like, who are your essential workers? Who are the people who are cleaning our hospitals, right? Who are the people who are serving you, helping you when you have to go to the the grocery store because you need buttermilk for your cornbread and can't use regular milk, right? Who are the people that it's not just that we might live in close quarters or we, we are impoverished, all of those things are making us your essential workers. And that is why you're seeing us uh, like it, catching it in such ex- ex- ginormous numbers. And so when we're thinking about that, black people, low income people, poor people, all of the, the, like we are what's helping the United States continue to run. And it's, it's more so not because they see us as essential, it's because they see us as sacrificial.
5: Natasha? In terms of housing, in terms of small businesses and just anybody uh, and everyone who is who is negatively affected by this. It's I think now is the time to advocate for ourselves in terms of in terms of housing. We should have had a a moratorium on rent payments, mortgage payments, all that, you know, a month ago. Unfortunately, I feel like that conversation has kind of died out and we won't see any of that happen. And that's only going to set us up for absolute failure. In a, in a few months, when everyone's being evicted and uh, their their mortgages are uh, going into foreclosure and uh, short sales hit the market, you know what I mean? It's just going to be this is this is a tumbleweed, and it's going to affect you know many people, and especially black people, especially black people. As far as small businesses are concerned, you know these these programs that have come out recently are trash. So it's un- it's unfortunate that our our government is in the, the state that it is in and unable to help us during this this hard hard time right so i think i think uh again a community model where we are more inclined to be looking out for one another versus trying to get the the government to look out for us because historically that is not a win for us so we really need to lean on each other and I think with this pandemic, it, you know, this could mold the, the very future of Black people right here. Clearly, we're losing anybody. If we, if we catch this disease, we're losing. So how are we going to take care of our, our health moving forward? You know, if all these underlying issues, no one's saying that COVID is, is not going to come back. Everybody's saying this could resurface. So what are, what are we doing to prevent ourselves from being most hit? You know, and I know, I know we don't have a lot of resources. I know we have food disparity. We're already behind the line. But with our history, we've always been behind the line. We've black always, people are the most resilient things on this earth. You know what I'm saying? So we need to, we, this, is, this is the time. We're going to have to come together and figure it out because a lot of us are going to get left behind, unfortunately, without, without the help of each other. Allen? Yeah,
6: our, our, our Black lives are, are dying from disparity yeah. and our Black progress is being killed by race neutrality, you know? And so it's it's just like uh, Natasha said, the solutions have not been specific, and I mean we're we're still trying to catch up from the 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 racism of the of the past and, and present what was going on before COVID nineteen. And So we really have to make sure that we have uh, we're selecting leaders, especially with November coming up. We're selecting leaders with the moral courage and, 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 and rootedness, not just breath, as in they mentioned my topic, but also the depth to be able to talk about how these things are affecting your community so that when you have a plan coming from the EDA or from the city or from other, whatever institution that doesn't it isn't have the capacity to read through this and say, this ain't going to touch black business, right? Then we need, we need new leadership and we need new priorities. That's not going to be solved by neutrality and mediocre uh, solutions. Thanks. Victor?
8: Um, Just keeping it short, this this ain't new. Nothing we're going through is new to us. However... You know, in this crisis, obviously, you know, heart goes out to everyone who's affected because we're all affected. But it is a chance to shift that mindset from being, like, reactionary to, like, how are we going to be proactive about, you know, like, as everybody said on here, like, not asking, demanding the things that we want, protecting the systems, protecting our communities, being careful about what voices we lift up, you know, under the, the guise of advocates and organizers. Who are you to be an advocate or organizer for a community? Rethinking the way we're doing community work, especially in a nonprofit sector. You know, like, hey, funders, you got to get on the ball too. choosing to fund an organization, a, a, a portion to do some much needed community work. And then having restrictions, oh, only 20 percent can go here, 10 percent can go here. Those organizations are never going to build the capacity that's needed in order to truly serve a community. And on top of that, stop thinking about the community needs and start thinking about what's already there and what you can uplift. That's what's going to be there before you got there. That's what's going to be there when those doors close down. That's what's going to have that community grow and move forward. i sprinkle.
1: like that salt.
7: <laughs> Does that mean it's me?
1: Uh, cool. Mr. 6-1 and counting.
7: Thank you for it. On a serious note, though, it's been great to share this, uh, the space with you all and uh, for for those of you who I did know, I've learned about some of your work, even some of it just kind of during this pandemic, like Victor, what you're doing is dope. Uh, Victor, what you're doing is dope in spite of your situation. Like, take my hat to you. Natasha, like, I've heard amazing things about your work. And Al, and you know, we go way back. I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter over the next few days. We'll be challenging preachers.
6: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Passover Uh, happened inside, amen.
7: (laughs) Okay. On a serious note, though, you know, I think coming coming full circle. Oh, and even talking about funders, you know, I'm not going to call any names, but some of our funders for our organization, they've been extremely creative with things like lifting those restrictions on some of our current funding to ensure that there aren't any limitations on what we're doing right now. But also they, they've been willing to entertain ideas around spreading information more about resources that are available. So hopefully we'll have an announcement early next week about a number of different ways that we hope to like spread information. Because I've also seen this narrative of, all oh, these resources are here, but people don't care because they aren't coming to get them. And I think part of it's just people don't Do they care know?
3: Stuff. Yeah, do they know?
7: So nevertheless, like, it's been special to share this moment with y'all. Hopefully, like, this is just, a, a, like, a step in the right direction.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: And, um, you know, like, keep pushing the envelope. So I, I was I was extremely disappointed. And one of you all had just mentioned about government. But the Surgeon General, and he was like, black and brown folks need to stop smoking, drinking alcohol, leaving drugs alone. Um, because that will help with the pandemic and then he came right back and said oh that has no impact on the pandemic but as we were talking about earlier about like this this notion that black and brown right. people are criminals and
3: thugs
7: like and super predators like you know like this codified language or these these ain't a dog whistles this is dog howls right <laughs> <laughs> and so like how do we continue to do the work that we're doing in spite of and then you know prom- to promote equity. So you know, hey, keep fighting. And I'm here if I can help in any way.
1: Yeah, we're gonna start. We're gonna start talking about some policy because the policies that is in the work. These hashtag white people is already talking about it. Oh yeah. And so we can't allow this policy to pass across these desks without us being in this policy and us being written directly because we'll be written out of it otherwise and to also be very very cognizant of exactly what Natasha said we can't rely on the government to be the answer or solution to our problems because they oh my god that's the most adorable dog (laughs) nap crackle and pop Oh, Victor
2: what's your girlfriend's name
8: Uh, his name is Brody he's a labradoodle
2: (gasps) hi Brody
1: Oh, that's what we needed. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. My scooter is 103, so...
2: Yeah, and Emmett just got real excited right here. I saw Sorry. He
1: was like, ooh, dog. Yeah. So, I yeah, I'm going you know, to put that
2: back on mute so he doesn't bark again.
1: Yeah, I can't show y'all my dog because he's 103. He's a grand dog. And if I pick him up, he might stroke out. So, we're we'll going to leave him alone. He's taking a nap. <laughs> so, y'all send your, you know thoughts and prayers to Scooter. He's, he's, he's making it through, you know, <laughs> through the pandemic right now. He's struggling. You know, it's really important, Um, as Natasha was saying, that we also tie in and talk about community solutions that don't necessarily end in marches.
3: Oh, yeah. I um, mean, one of uh, the students in Tykeen, one of my four students in his advocacy group, uh, this morning, you're talking about bills, like, even the kid she's a junior in high school and is emailing me about you know texting me about this food desert bill that got tabled in 2017 like what do we got to do to make this happen happen yeah. that yeah. we can continue this where like right now the time is and like she's a junior in high school mm-hmm. right? so like there's
1: tons of people who want to be a part of this conversation they're thinking about it and i'm telling you these kids these kids are thinking about people are thinking about it and it's nothing let me let me make that very clear there's nothing wrong with marching there's nothing wrong with organizing, but If we're not going to put the strength and power behind marching and protesting that is behind the strength that, you know, you really put behind, like, Montgomery bus type protesting, we're wasting our times and energies. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, you know, we've got to be very, very strategic with our dollars and cents because them bad boys is going to very, very expensive toilet paper and paper towels right now and very expensive butter. And so we've (laughs) got to be very, very strategic about where these um, resources are being spread right now because a lot of us are, it's going to take a lot to band together to make sure that we're not struggling and that we're holding each other up and holding each other accountable too to make sure that we don't leave anybody behind. So as always, I appreciate... Uh, we we both appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks Real y'all good. so Thank
2: much. I'm so excited to like dig into yes. this episode.
1: Yes, yes. And uh-huh. it feels so good to see faces. Oh. Faces. Yes.
2: Right. <laughs> right. Right. Right, my friends. Right. Yes, faces. Before you get out of here, um, everybody say how you can be reached on social media. Oh, yes,
6: please do that. I can we reach on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Mr. Legacy Jones, M R Legacy Jones?
3: Um, I'm, I'm trying to get this dissertation, so I have zero
6: social media.
3: <laughs> but I mean, if you're really pressing and you really want to communicate with me, um, I would love to hear from you. I'll give you my email address if people still email people. Um, it's D as in Danielle, M as in Marie, green, like the color, but with an E at the end, at stanford.edu.
8: Um, Twitter and Instagram, McKenzie M C K E N Z I E R V A, and um, started up um, just a, like a community response email. If anybody has any needs, uh, we're trying our best to go ahead and meet those resources. If it's matching with like helping uh, navigate unemployment, government benefits, um, even trying to navigate housing, and that's just community response R V A at Gmail.
2: Awesome. Perfect, and. Tykeen left us, but he is at Tykeen Cooper on Twitter and Duran is at Brother Manifest.
5: Natasha? Uh, you can find me at Natasha Crosby Sells RVA on IGN Facebook. So as always, listeners,
1: you can continue this conversation as well as additional, and I'm going to actually post into some other threads, and wh- while we have all these resources here, I want y'all to, to um, also contribute to that. One of the things I've been seeing, a lot of people hit us in our DMs asking for different things, looking for different things. That's why I'm up in the middle of the night looking for housing for people and looking for all these different things. We're going to start a thread, like almost like a community board per se, and we'll put it up in different places. But we got folks right now as, you know, it's a major myth and people are saying, oh, there's no jobs. There are jobs out there and people are looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. The fact that it may be hazardous or it may be something that, you know, people, one person may feel like it's something and they don't want to do but another person is like look i gotta get these coins and I have the ability to be able to protect myself. I need to be able to feed myself, right? And so we're gonna start a thread for jobs. There are at-home jobs as well. Um, People that need resources, they don't know where, food pickup that may not have a child, right? And they don't know where to go or they don't know what to do. So we're gonna start some threads and we're gonna put some things together on the DIRT Twitter and then we'll probably also do it on Facebook so we can start posting some things. So you guys look out for those. We'll tag y'all and everything. Um, and if you know other people that have access to those resources and it doesn't have to be an organization, it can be an organization, but you know, sometimes people are like, Look, I got a big ass garden and I wanna put, you know, I got some greens. Put them greens up there. Somebody might want them, you know, you never know. So we gotta get, you know, it's that's the type of community lookout that people need. And so if people, um if you know that you have things that people need or you know, we need to get that connection going. So we're gonna start um some of those. Um, kind of threads going so that people can connect to the resources that they need even if it's and and we're going to do one for bartering and that's I I want people to understand that too Uh, I'm a landlord and I I manage the property that um, my grandparents own and we haven't been collecting rent and I actually have I have a tenant that does pay they did pay their rent and um, I was blessed for it because that helped a lot but you know they called and they said what do we do and I was like um well I'm, we don't know like we're not gonna worry about it we'll figure it out and they were like well you know there's things we need and we can do you know we know you got bills to pay too and i was like well we appreciate that the guy was like well i'm a carpenter you know let me build some stuff and i was like i appreciate that and so we got some single moms that live out in rural areas right and so let's put some playgrounds together and so i'm going to home depot and we're gonna get um some playgrounds because the kids are out of school And they're bored. And so your rent for barter this month is going to be to put those playgrounds together for these moms on these properties. And another girl was like, dog, we can't, ain't nobody got no toilet paper. I'm a couponer. Come over here and get some resources. If you need resources to these moms, I got you. That's my rent for the month. You know, and then other people did other things. Another guy cuts grass. He has a grass cutting service. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to give you that. Ladies, a piece of that lady's coins and you take this money and you cut all of the grass for all those properties and then that's your rent.
8: That's that community approach right there. That's That's right? That's That's that. that.
1: And so everybody's taken care of and we don't got to be bothered with you giving me your last coins to be worried about somebody's rent because we'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? When we can start those types of boards, if you've got services that you can barter with somebody else to figure this thing out, That's the kind of service, that's the kind of service board I think that we need right now that would get people from point A to point B um, until we can get, you know, open back up. You know what I'm saying? That's important. So we're definitely going to post that out there and get that moving. But as always, we really, really appreciate y'all. We thank y'all so much. Listeners, we can continue this conversation um, on all social media at RVA Dirk. Uh, We appreciate y'all. Y'all know what time it is. Flint still has dirty water now New Jersey does too we all on quarantine RPS is fully funded but they closed and they gonna need more than that fully funded budget next year and then some and then some and then some to infinity and beyond Mm -hmm. and Richmond is most certainly still racist but we working on it talk to y'all next
0: week only option is to pray if you don't wanna be six feet under stay six away stay home hide your kids watch your hands be safe it's like a greyhound busting and stopping in every state ain't it funny how kids think it's funny and they want to go and play on spring break? Stupid kids, they gon' sleep in a bed that they made and then be mad when them same springs that they had break. Can't escape. This is viral. I was on it way before it hit the news. This is man-made, click-baited, automated views. This is way more deadly than the flu. Way stronger than the devil. Even he couldn't empty the church pews. You a fool if you think it's fake. Horn set symptoms after 14 days until your lungs fail. And you suffocate assisted reparation by a ventilate mass population declutter, a reason to eliminate from Africa to Italy, Nigeria to Sicily. This virus 5G and has global connectivity. Thieving in the night as it creeps in your vicinity and robs you of your basic motor function capabilities. So, my task before the world panics and runs out of all the mass, before discrimination of Asians becomes something we let pass forgetting that the problem stems from something we can't grasp. Before you yell conspiracy, before you tweet at Donald like it's really gonna fix the situation, but you have no validity. Before the stocks plummet, before Every industry realizes that it's workers who slave actually run it before total lockdown and depression and anxiety and long nights alone with no contact with society. The riots, the tanks, 90 days of sobriety and social validation off IG notoriety. Before you go crazy, way before you choose the worst time in mankind to have an unplanned baby. Just know we're a part of the remedy. We are on the same team and Corona is the enemy. Stay home. Be safe and look out for each other.